for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. We are so glad that you are here once again in the house of God, ready to hear, ready to receive. I hope you are tonight, ready to hear, and ready to receive. What God wants to speak to us. Acts chapter 16. If you join me there. Anybody need a Bible here tonight? You want to lift up your hand? You need a Bible? Anybody at all? You've come prepared tonight. Anybody need a pillow? <laughs> Anyone need a fan? A cluster of grapes? <laughs> no, no, no. We need the Holy Spirit tonight. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 16. You join me there. Tonight, I want, to, uh, I want to take a few moments this evening. I'm not going to hold you too long tonight. I say that now, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but I want to talk about what it takes to be a man or a woman of God. And tonight, there are, uh, there are many opportunities that we have in the kingdom. That God, He has provided for us unending opportunities to do something for him. That in this life that we live, the things, can I tell you, the things that are going to really matter in eternity are not the things that you do for yourself, are not even the things you do at work. The things that you do in your free time, the things that you watch on the television, all of that stuff will be forgotten in only a very short amount of time. But those things which will be remembered tonight, the things that we will speak about in 50 years if Jesus tarries, if 100 years goes by and I'll meet you in heaven, do you know what we'll be talking about then? We'll be talking about the things we did together for God. We'll be talking about the outreaches we did. We'll be talking about the impact teams we did. We'll be talking about the world evangelism trips we went together on. We'll be talking about the fellowships that we got together and had a wonderful time in the Lord. Those are the things that are going to truly matter in eternity. When you get to the end of your life, beloved, if God gives you the grace and the mercy to live a long and healthy life, and one day you're lying there and thinking about all of the things that you've accomplished, and you know you're about to enter into eternity, do you know the things that are going to stir in your heart? It's not going to be how much money you made. You're not going to be thinking about all of the accomplishments in the world that you achieved. When you're on your deathbed and thinking about the life that you lived, the things that you will be grateful for are the things that you did for God. The things that you did for the people who God cares about in your life, your family, your loved ones, maybe even your pastor. 
And tonight I want to tell you that if we want to live lives that are going to make a difference in both on the earth and in eternity, it's going to be because we have made a commitment. I want to be a man of God, or I want to be a woman of God. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to school and get all kinds of fancy degrees. You don't even have to uh, have a certain background or a certain amount of money in your bank account. People uh, in the Bible who have been called men or women of God, these people came from all kinds of different backgrounds. The things that qualify us in the world don't even apply in the kingdom of God. How many of y'all have been to the Chandler Conference within the last 10 years? Let me see your hand. So Pastor Campbell, one of the things he loves to do in conference is he loves to have the Glendale Men's Choir. you, You remember those guys? Every year, the Glendale Men's Choir gets bigger and bigger. And you can tell, man, when they start filing on to the stage, the whole crowd starts getting nervous. You know why? Because those were the people the police were protecting us from before they got saved. They were all gangbangers. You see, they got little teardrops tattooed on their face. These guys are rough. They're, 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 they're difficult people. These are people who've been in and out of prison. These are men who have been, uh, who have been through the diffi- most difficult things in life. And yet, there they are standing on a stage in a Bible conference, all singing sort of on key, but they're not there to show how talented they are with their vocals. I want to tell you why those men are on stage. Because they're men of God. Because God has changed their lives in a miraculous way, and they encourage every person in that place. And here's why. Because if they can live for God, then you can live for God. If they can do something for the kingdom then you can do something for the kingdom. If gangbangers and uh, drug addicts and people who've been to prison, felons, misdemeanors, and all the rest, if they can go up there and do something for God, then why not you? What's, what are you waiting for? So I want to preach tonight about the making of a man of God. And I want to preach from Acts chapter 16. And you join me together tonight in verse 1. Paul uh, in our story, is about to discover a young man that he, he takes under his wing. And the goal for this young man named Timothy is that he would become a man of God. And that's my heart for men in this place and every disciple here, uh, and also for women, that we could become the people that God wants us to be. Can you say amen? Let's read together. Acts 16, verse 1. Then he came to Derby and Lystra. Behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number. Everybody say that last word. Daily. 
The church is increased in number daily. That's powerful tonight. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come once again by the precious blood of Jesus. We are so grateful on this Thanksgiving Eve, Lord, that we come into your house to worship you and to acknowledge all of the wonderful blessings you placed in our lives. On this night, God, I want to I ask that you would challenge the men of this place and every woman as well, every disciple of Jesus Christ in this place. Lord, that we rise up and take our place as men and women of God, that our minds would be focused, that our hearts would be resilient, God, that we would not be distracted, Lord, by the things of this world which are less important, but God, that you would make us into the men and the women that you are calling us to be tonight. We thank you for all you're going to do in Jesus' name. God's people say, Amen. 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 Thank God. Let's look first of all at the qualifications. What does it take to be a man of God? There's some men here tonight that you are searching for, uh, for good employment. And uh, tonight, as you begin to fill out applications, if you've ever searched for a job, you know what it's like, that every uh, job that you apply for, there are a list of qualifications, right? As you begin to apply, you look at those qualifications, and it says there, okay, you have to, uh, you have, to have a, a, a high school diploma or a GED, and you can say, check, I got that. And then it says, well, you have to have at least two years' work experience in the field. Well, I, maybe I got that. And then it says, oh, you have to have a bachelor's degree. Uh-oh, I'm going to look to the next job. At least that's what I do. And when it says qualifications, we take a look at that list and we have to very carefully examine those qualifications because if it says that it's a qualification, you might as well not apply if you don't meet that list. Can you say amen? amen. Tonight, what are the qualifications? What does it take to become a man or a woman of God? First of all, I want, I want to, to tell you what it does not say. What are not the qualifications? First of all, it's not about skin color. It's not about race. It's not about background or culture. It doesn't take, uh, it's, it, it's not about white people or black people or yellow people or blue people or anybody in between. That is not the qualification that it takes to be a man of God. Secondly, we see that it, it's not from any social structure or a class. When Jesus was on the earth, he called people from every corner of the culture. He pulled prostitutes off the street, and he also pulled tax collectors out of the government. And they were all following him together, so qualifications do not include social structure or class. We could also say tonight it does not include the family name. It doesn't matter the, uh, the, the, the well-being of certain societies or, or where you are on the rung of social structure tonight. It's not about even the right clothing, hairstyle not about education. We begin to try to categorize people based on outward appearances, don't we? The moment we look at people and we make all kinds of assumptions about who they are and what they can be. I can remember some of you when you first came in this church. We could have made assumptions and said, that guy's never going to last. That person's not going to make it. And yet here you are. All of those things are foolish. We don't look on the outward appearances. God, how many know, looks on the heart. And all of these things I've spoken about so far are not qualifications for the kingdom of God. What do we see in our scripture? 
Let's look at Timothy's qualifications tonight. First of all, the, the, the first thing we learn about him is that he is the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but the father was a Greek. Now, when the Bible says that he was a Greek, there's a little more uh, meaning attached to that word. To say that someone was a Greek in those terms to a Jewish audience, it means basically that they were a non-Jew. They were someone who uh, did not carry the blessing of God. Uh, the Jews have some kind of a, a, a view of themselves, especially in those times, that anyone who is not a Jew was something less or something less meaningful. That, um, that for a Jewish woman to be married to a Greek man or a non-Jewish husband, that they would have been uh, looked down upon. This woman would have been shamed in her community. How could you marry someone outside of the Jewish community. Don't you read in the Old Testament, it says don't mix together with the pagan peoples around you? This is what they would have thought about. And, and they, many of the faithful Jewish people of the time, they would have looked on that situation and looked at Timothy and they would have said, uh, they, he's got no future. In, <laughs> in fact, if Timothy had a desire to be some kind of a priest or to work in a temple, that he would not have been able to do that for this fact that his father was a non-Jew. He was a Greek. There was a block in his past, in his family name, that said, this boy, Timothy, there's no way that God could use him like that. The previous generation, perhaps we could look at his mother and, and her decision to marry a Greek man and have children with this man. We could look at her and say, yeah, maybe that was a mistake. Maybe that's a setback. The Jews were not supposed to marry the non-Jews. She would have been seen as having a curse, mixed children, impure bloodline, a non-Jewish home, non-Jewish traditions, non-Jewish culture. Perhaps there's generational curses that are involved. Well, if Timothy has that qualification tonight, then that ought to give you some hope. Because if you know the story of Timothy, he goes on to become a pastor in the city of Ephesus. Paul writes two famous letters to him in the Bible. And what I'm saying to you tonight is that, first of all, we can see that, that a qualification for ministry or for the kingdom of God is not so important where you come from, what you've been through. Here's what is important, though, what it says about his mother. Are you ready for this? It says there's a certain Jewish woman who believed. Say the word believed. In other words, his mother had a faith in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that faith in Jesus can change your family tree. Without the faith that this woman had, that he would have never been seen, he would have never been raised up in the faith of Jesus Christ. Listen to me tonight. When you are putting your trust in Jesus, can I tell you, you are having an effect on your children. You might look at your life and say, man, I've been through some crazy, crazy stuff. I've been through some addictions and some sins. I've been through some bad decisions. But if you will believe, can I tell you, you are paving a way for the next generation? Maybe this woman, Timothy's mother, maybe she couldn't do everything that Timothy could do, but she could pave the path of faith. She could make a difference for her son, Timothy. And listen, parents in this place, you can make a difference. You can raise up another Timothy. 
or a Timothette in your house that can make impact for the kingdom. Maybe you're, you won't go to the nations. Maybe tonight you, you won't preach uh, sermons week after week. Maybe tonight you, will, you won't sing on the platform, but maybe somebody in your house will. This woman had made some mistakes. She married a non-Jewish man. And for that, no doubt, she was sorry and paid, paid a certain price for that. But I want to tell you, she raised up a Timothy. She raised up a man of God. Why? Because she believed. When you train up a child in the way he should go, the Bible says that he is faithful. And he promises tonight that they will not depart from it. That they, even though they act crazy, maybe sometimes, but God will bring your children back into the fold. 2 Timothy uh, 1 verse 5, as Paul writes again, he's writing now to Timothy, and this is fast forward many years, and he's he's a young pastor now in the city of Ephesus. And listen to what Paul says to him at this time. He says, let me call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, I am persuaded, is in you also. Timothy Listen to me, brother. I know you're having struggles. I know you're having problems. I know the people don't like you. But I want to tell you this. In you, there's something genuine. And it's not just because of you. It's because of the faith that was in your grandmother. She passed it to your mother. And your mother passed it on to you. Do you see how your family tree can be shaped and changed if you will believe? If you will trust God tonight. This is the defining moment of his life. Now, let's see, secondly, uh, even though he had a, a, a checkered background, we could also see tonight uh, one other fact about, Paul, about Timothy as he is being chosen to raise up as a man of God. It says, that secondly, that he was a disciple. Look at verse 1 again. He came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple. Say the word disciple. A certain disciple was there named Timothy. What does the Bible mean when it uses the word disciple? It means someone who is seriously following Jesus Christ. It means someone who is a learner. He's a student. It means someone who is a follower. It means someone who is an imitator. All of those wrapped up together, that's what the word disciple means. It's not just a Facebook follower. It's not just an Instagram follower. A disciple. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means you're following Jesus with your whole life. Where he went, you will follow. What Jesus did, you will imitate. The things that Jesus teaches, you will learn. That's what disciples do. In the New Testament, believers are only called Christians one time. Did you know that? We call ourselves Christian people, but that's not the word that the Bible uses. The word over and over that is used to describe true believers is the word disciple. If you are saved here in this place, you should describe yourself, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. The Bible begins to speak about Timothy and calls him a disciple. The Apostle Paul looks at this young man and he sees something in him. Maybe it's his discipleship. Maybe it's his hunger and thirst for the kingdom. Maybe he sees a desire to do something for God. Can I tell you, there is nothing that can replace your desire to do something for God. 
Do you want to do something for God? Do you want to make an impact in this earth? Do you want to bring glory to your Lord and Savior? Or do you want to be a bump on the log until Jesus comes back? I don't know about you. I don't want to waste my time doing stupid things and foolishness. I want to make impact for the kingdom. That's why I'm here tonight. That's why God brought us here to Virginia Beach. Not to sit like bumps on the log and just wait for something to happen. I want to see God use this church to do something great in the kingdom. Do you have a desire tonight? Maybe Paul looked at Timothy and he saw something in him, a spark, a flame, a fire that was shut up in his bones that could not be contained. Somewhere, disciples are going to have to find desire to do something for God. We need to find men tonight who want to be disciples in this place. Make them into the men of God that they are called to be. The Bible says also about Timothy that look at uh, verse 2. It says he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. He was well spoken of. What does that mean tonight? That means that people looked at him and said, man, that Timothy, there's something about him. He's got, he's got some, uh, he's got some uh, enthusiasm. He's got some spark. He's got some fire. People began to speak of him. It was not something that he just kept inside. There's something to be said tonight about a reputation. I know that reputation is not everything. But your reputation, the way that you present yourself to people around you, there is a certain power in that. Paul, one of the reasons that he took Timothy under his wing and began to teach him, train him, and raise him up as a man of God is because everyone in the church, they looked at Timothy and they said, man, Something is about this, something good about this young man. Can I ask you, what, what are people saying about you? You know, sometimes, sometimes our appearance, I, I, you know, not, I don't necessarily always want to deal with this, but can I tell you, there, there's a reason why we get cleaned up for church. What if I came up here wearing flip-flops and my hair all crazy and pizza stain on my shirt? You know what I'm saying? That doesn't present the kingdom of God. You wouldn't walk away from the service saying, wow, that pastor, he's got everything together. You wouldn't say of Timothy that he, that you wouldn't speak well of him unless he presented himself in a certain way. This is why we clean up for church. This is why we take showers. Thank you, Patrick. Before we come to church. This is why we come not smelling bad. This is why we brush our teeth. This is why we wear ties and dresses and dress pants. And this is why we want to look good in the house of God. We know that God doesn't look on the outside. He looks at our hearts. But that's not an excuse for you to look like a bum. I know. Dress clothes can be expensive, but go to Goodwill. Get them secondhand. You can buy a pair of shoes for $5. That'll look halfway decent. That'll look better than mine do right now. I want to tell you tonight, one of the reasons that Timothy advanced into the kingdom, advanced as a man of God, is because he presented himself in a certain way. This is why uh, certain industries, you wear uniforms. If you're a police officer, you wear a police uniform. And what does it do? Immediately, it does something to the people around you. As soon as you put that badge on, as soon as you put that gun on your hip, as soon as you have the, the outfit, then people are looking at you, and it commands a level of respect. 
But it's not just about people looking at you. It's about the way it makes you feel yourself. You know, if I was to come in here in a pair of gym shorts and a hoodie, I would not be ready to preach the gospel. My mind would not be in the right place. The reason we get dressed up for church, the reason we want to present ourselves well, is because it changes our own mentality about what we're doing. We're coming here to do kingdom business. Can you say amen? And we have a respect for that. We hold a high standard for that. People spoke well of Timothy, and it qualified him. It says many things about Timothy. It says that he is a a people person. He's not a loner sitting in the corner making faces at people. He knows how to interact with people. Smile and shake a hand. God bless you. You know, these people skills, they call them soft skills in other places around the world. In India, this is, uh, this is part of the testimony of Pastor Paki Raj. Some of you might have heard his testimony. He got saved in Bangalore, India under Pastor uh, Dan Rubion. Actually, think Pastor Osgar Gafur. He got saved under him and became a disciple under Dan Rubionis. And, uh, and so his dream was one day to, become, uh, to be able to come to the United States for work. And one of the things there is, you know, all of our, all of our American companies uh, hire all of these uh, 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 customer service representatives in Bangalore, right? And so they, fo- they have a high focus on what they call soft skills. So that when you call 1-800-I-need-help-on-my-computer, you're going to talk to someone who's actually in Bangalore, India, but hopefully they've done enough training that they don't sound like they have an Indian accent. They can speak to an American. They call that soft skills. And so Pastor, uh, Pastor Pakiraj, at the time, he had worked so hard to develop his soft skills. He knew how to talk to Americans. He knew how to be friendly and how to make jokes and how to do all this. And he got promoted and promoted and promoted and promoted. And this was not only helping him in his job, but it was helping him in the church because he had an American pastor. And this was helping him to become a disciple and to work with people and to, to meet people and, and, and raise them up and to welcome them to, to church and not have a frown on his face every five seconds. The soft skills are important. People will speak well about you when you have good soft skills. Pastor Paki Raj even came to the point where they, that he was working for a company And the company offered him the decision of his dreams. They said, we want to send you to our corporate headquarters in the United States. Can you imagine? He'd been dreaming about that for decades to come to America. They said, we'll take care of the visa. We'll take care of the travel. We'll send you and your whole family. We'll relocate you. And you know what he did? He did something you probably wouldn't do if you were in the same situation. He turned it down. Because he understood that God had saved him in Bangalore, India. And that God was going to use him there. And use him, God has done over and over. And I want to tell you, I just got the conference brochure to Prescott Conference in January. You want to know whose name is on the Prescott brochure? Paki Raj from Bangalore, India. I want to tell you tonight, God can raise you up as a man of God. He can raise you up. When we look at Timothy, there are scholars who have looked at him and, and explained what it meant that people spoke well of him. Matthew Henry com- makes a comment here. says that he had an unblemished reputation. He was free from scandal. He had a bright reputation. 
He was an extraordinary young man, from one from whom great things were expected. Not only those in the place where he was born, but in neighboring cities. People admired him and spoke honorably of him. What about you tonight? What about you? I know that human opinion is not everything. I know that God can even use a donkey on the side of the road. But that doesn't give you an excuse to act like one, okay? If you want to be a man of God, a woman of God, you've got to develop some skills, some people skills. Okay, let's look at the next thing here. According to the world and to all the religious institutions of the day, he was completely unqualified. He would never have made it as a priest or as a Pharisee, as a Sadducee. And yet it was those very things that qualified him for the work of God. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Are you ready for this? You see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, that's me, not many mighty, that's also me, not many noble, that's also me, not many of these are called. Verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. You consider for a moment some of the heroes of our fellowship. Consider for a moment some of the pastors that are on that conference brochure, man. Those guys started out as weed smokers, as crazy hippies sitting on on uh, sitting Indian style on the altar, listening to Pastor Mitchell with their long hair, barely sober. Those are the same men who are now preaching in the conference today. It's Pastor Campbell who was who was a, a, a biker, crazy, lost in his sin, raged, raging alcoholic, tearing his family apart, and today he's pastoring over a hundred churches all over the world. People just like that. That to the world would be unqualified. We don't want them. But God says, I'll take them. That's what, that's what we see in Timothy. According to the world, he didn't have much to offer. But to the church of Jesus Christ and to the kingdom of God, when Paul looked at him, he saw this could be a man of God. Can I tell you, when I look around this building here tonight, I see men and I see women. If you'll apply yourself... If you'll do what you need to do, you could be a Timothy. You could do something for God. You could be raised up as a pastor, as a disciple, as a church pioneer. Yes, you could. Don't argue with me. Let's look at the preparations then that were necessary. So Paul, first of all, saw something in him. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. It says, uh, verse 3, Paul wanted to have him go on with him. So that's, that's very critical. What we have, I'm so grateful for our fellowship, that we have a, a fellowship of believers, of pastors, of disciple makers that look at common everyday people like you and me and say, that could be a pastor. That could be a man of God. That man right there. You mean that one? Yes, that one right there. That could be a church pillar. That could be one who gives their tithe and offering for 50 years to support the work of God. Yes, that person could be a soul winner. Yes, that person could be a prayer warrior. Yes, even that one in the back row right there. That one could be a man of God. Paul said, I want to take this man with me. Leaders in the church can see things that maybe not everybody else can see. 
This is one of the, the critical parts of the kingdom is being able to see what God could do in someone else's life, even if they can't see it themselves. The man of God can see things that disciples can't see in themselves. As, as a pastor, my calling is to see you with the eyes of faith. Not to see you as you are today. Not to see all of your mistakes and your flaws. But to see what you could be if you made the right decisions. And my job is to get you there. My job is to help you to make those decisions. Now, this is where it comes to something painful tonight. Verse 3. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him. (laughs) That's only three little words in the Bible, you know. But there's a whole story behind that. (laughs) Could you imagine Paul approaching Timothy and saying, listen, Timothy, I've got big plans for you, bro. I know that you can be something great in the kingdom, but here's the deal. If you're going to come with me, we're going to be speaking to Jewish people. And a Jewish person is not going to receive any ministry unless you've been circumcised. So, if you're serious about this, there's going to be a cost. There's going to be some pain involved. He's not a little eight-day-old baby that can't make a decision for himself. He's a grown man. And now Paul, it falls upon Paul the responsibility to have some minor surgery, to cut away some flesh. I'm sure that was not enjoyable for Paul either. He didn't, this is not something he wants to fill his time doing, right? But it is absolutely necessary if he's going to take Timothy with him to minister to Jewish people from city to city. Can I tell you tonight, if God's going to use your life, there's going to be some things that he has to cut away from you. There's going to be some attitudes he's got to cut out of your heart. There's going to be some anger issues and rage. He's going to need to trim off of you. And can I tell you, I, I wish I could tell you that Timothy, one night he went to bed and God did his own little operation on him while he was all by himself. But that's not what happened, is it? It fell upon Paul to bring this correction in Timothy's life. Now, it doesn't bring me any joy to rebuke you guys or girls. It doesn't bring me any joy, just like it doesn't bring me any joy to discipline my girls when it has to be done. But it falls upon me as a pastor, as a leader. Sometimes there are some issues of flesh. That's what it's about. There's some laziness. Come on, you know it's true. There's some things going on in you that just need to be cut away. And it has fallen upon me as a pastor to do some snipping. And so if I come after you with a pair of scissors, don't act like a little baby, okay? I'm trying to help you. I want you to become the man that God wants you to be. I want you to be a a fruitful and effective minister. It's not that I don't like you. In a fatherless generation, correction is often viewed as, as an offense. 
But we know from the Word of God that correction and discipline is evidence of love. He took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. And I want to tell you, this action, it was very difficult both for Paul and for Timothy. Yes? And yet it was this very action that qualified him to the next level of his ministry. Could you imagine the glory those testimony that he would have as he took him into the city and he stood before a congregation of Jewish people in a synagogue and the people would say, isn't that, hey, wait, isn't that Timothy? He's the son of the Greek guy, right? We're not going to listen to him. And Paul would stand up and say, aha, but he's been circumcised. He's qualified. The flesh has been cut and now I have full confidence in this young man. Now listen to him. Listen to what he has to tell you. My prayer one day is that one day I could, that we as a church, we could release men into the field. The ones who would submit themselves to circumcision of the heart. And I can say, just like Pastor Ryan who stood up here on this stage on Sunday, Sunday morning. Do you know why he's up here standing there? Because Pastor Campbell has said some things that he didn't want to hear. That have qualified him to stand there and give a testimony, plant a church in Hampton, Virginia. The journey to fruitful ministry has to go through cutting of flesh. It's a relationship of trust. There's a lot of trust required (laughs) in this little operation. You sure you know what you're doing there, Paul? This is very important to me. (laughs) We cannot claim to be disciples of anybody unless we're willing to trust them with our lives. What if you went to the doctor and the doctor had to give you an injection and you said, I don't trust you, doc. Get away. But the doctor has a life-saving vaccine that he's going to give to you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to cure you. But you say, no, no, no. Stay away. Can that doctor help you in any way? It's a relationship of trust, isn't it? You're trusting the doctor knows what he's doing, and the doctor is trusting that you're not going to freak out. Peter had his own experience with Jesus. John chapter 13, verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and washed them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Verse 8, Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. There's a a system of trust here. Jesus had to minister to Peter, had to cleanse him in the place where he was filthiest and stinkiest. Jesus had to minister even to that disgusting part of Peter so that Peter could receive that ministry and then become fruitful for kingdom of business. This This is part of the kingdom, guys. This is what we're doing here tonight. We want to see men and women become who God has called them to be. And as a result of this relationship, the Apostle Paul and Timothy became more than just pastor and disciple. 
Their relationship became more than just mentor and trainee. When Paul describes Timothy, do you know what word he uses? He uses the word son. He is my son. 1 Timothy 1, verse 2. To Timothy, a true son in the faith. Can I tell you, that? that's exactly how I feel about Pastor Campbell. I have an earthly father. My earthly father lives in Portland, Oregon, and I have respect for him. I honor him as my father. But do you know who, is, do you know who has given me more fatherly instruction than even my earthly father? It's my pastor. And when I see him, I don't just see my pastor. I see a father in the faith. And my prayer is that I could be a blessing to him so that he would look at me as a son in the faith. I want to tell you tonight that this, the road of discipleship is difficult, but it has great benefits. This is the way to become who God has called you to be. The making of a man of God is through discipleship. If you think you're going to become some, something great in the kingdom just by watching preachers on YouTube, you've got another thing coming. It doesn't work like that. It happens through discipleship. It happens through Saturday night alive concert scenes. It happens through Saturday morning outreaches. It happens through street preaching and evangelism. It happens through, I'm able to give responsibilities to men in this place, to leaders, and you're able to do things, and when you make a mistake, I'm going to let you fall on your face, and I'm going to say, why did you fall on your face? And hopefully, you're not going to get offended, but you're going to learn something from it. And you're going to do something for God. I want you, every person here, man and woman, boy and girl, to reach your potential. We know that Timothy went on to become a powerful evangelist and pastor in the city of Ephesus. And to this day, we see his influence and his heart for God. Even this night, we've lifted him up as an example. I wonder tonight, who will you be an example to? Who will you be an example to one day? God used Paul to help Timothy to reach his potential for God. I want you tonight to reach your potential. I want this church to reach its potential because the potential, the ceiling tonight is unlimited if we would give ourselves to this process. Let's bow our heads tonight. Close our eyes as we bring this service to a close. And as We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.